0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: BFM 89.9, it's 6 a.m. Monday, the 1st of August. And of course, you're listening to The Morning Run. In the studio with me is the one and only Philip C. And I'm Wong Xiaoning.
0: Very good morning. 1st of August, the first day of the month of August. Wow.
1: Where did the last eight months go? We always say that on the morning run, but it is really true. Time seems to have passed really fast this year.
0: Yes, yes. I
1: I, I don't know whether it's faster because we're allowed to roam
0: free. I think because we're rushing to do so many things that because it's just all accumulated. This is called what we call revenge, isn't it? So revenge, it's revenge, recovery, recovery. spending,
1: revenge, eating, Travelling. revenge, traveling, revenge, shopping, revenge, seeing friends, reconnecting.
0: Exactly. So I think that's why everything's moving very fast. Like even my weekend was like packed, jam packed, like uh, when we like a blur win, just like a blur. Like I was like, oh, I wish Friday was like. felt like yesterday.
1: <laughs> well, we're, we're probably now in this zone where we're thinking. Can the next Friday come AS, ASAP, please?
0: <laughs> but this August is a very special month. It's also our country's birthday. They t- it turned 65.
1: Wow, 65. Yes, on the 65. 31st of August, yes. right? And then shortly after that, we also celebrate Malaysia Day on the 16th of September.
0: Absolutely.
1: 65 years old. Hmm. Not a kid anymore. Not Definitely a Definitely an adult.
0: Time for retirement?
1: I don't know. I don't know whether it's time for retirement, but have we matured? Ah, uh, That's the question. But as usual... Today is also a very jam-packed day on the morning run, uh, starting with seven fifteen. We're gonna keep uh, keep. Sorry, give you an update on the political news, especially with the purported demise of the MOU between the government and the opposition with Dr. O E Isan. He's a senior fellow at the Singapore Institute of International Affairs. And
0: at 7.30, tech sector results with a tail of two halves. We check in with Dan Ives, Managing Director of Wet Bush Securities. Because, you know, Sean, I'm really scratching my head. After two consecutive GDP prints, which were negative, markets were doing very well. I told you.
1: How many times have I said it before?
0: (laughs) There's no rationale. There's no
1: rationality. It's literally buy a rumour sell on fact. Absolutely. Or the other way around, depending on what you prefer. Scratching my head. Yeah, so it's the same class... But it could be either half full or half empty, depending mm. on your view. Meanwhile, at 7.45, we're going to be talking about the rising cost of living because it's a hot topic in Malaysia, but with a focus on chickens and our price controls the right way to deal with this situation. We we talked to On Ken Ming, Member of Parliament for Bangi and DAP spokesperson for International Trade and Industry. All this and more on The Morning Run. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. 608, of course, you're listening to The Morning Run. This is BFM 89.9, Monday, the 1st of August and in the studio with me is Philip C and I'm Wong Xiaoning, And that song was Dust in the Wind by Kansas. And it actually resonates with the article that we're going to be discussing because it could feel like dust in the wind. And we're talking about landlines. Remember that, that phone where you used to press your buttons to get to a number. I, You know, I'm old enough to remember the one where you turn it round and round and round, right? Oh, it
0: brings so much nostalgia.
1: So this is a Financial Times article entitled Exactly What I Just Said, Bring Back the Landline. And uh, Juliet Riddle, who wrote the article, I think she's feeling nostalgic because her parents... Uh, got rid of their home phone and I think she wrote a whole article about it and I think it resonates with me and even with you.
0: For sure. I mean, I, I feel so much nostalgia just remembering the times when I was very young as a teenager and how my mom would like insist I had a quota to how much I can talk to my friends and how much I would stretch the umbilical cord, the cord, you know, all the way to the back room so that my mom doesn't see me take the call but I still am talking to my friends. Who
1: are you calling, Philip?
0: Oh, just many friends. Just <laughs> friends only. Just I'm a
1: friend. teenager, Charming expect all, from a
0: teenager all very
1: kosher calls right <laughs> kosher
0: for sure we're talking about our homework what are the questions the teacher asks for sure right mm. we would not talk about anything else what else would you talk about I don't know. as a teenager
1: <laughs> dot 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 dot, <laughs> dot 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 but it really um, captures a certain era of our lives right this yeah. is like pre-smartphone pre-whatsapp Pre-SMS, it was literally, I mean, other than writing a letter, shock, horror, that's another thing that people have forgotten, was one of the only ways you could communicate with another person.
0: Yes, so the, the phone did evolve right, I remember when I was in the UK studying it became a cordless phone but you still have the phone in the house yes. yeah. Uh, but I think what people are, what you're doing now is as I move around and see people's houses, people don't even have the landline anymore I don't,
1: I, okay, I have a landline because it was given to me with my Wi-Fi service but I think I've used it less than 10
0: times So I think for me it's actually very important to have a landline especially for someone like us where we feel ourselves getting too connected to our mobile phones, we want to get away from the screen time, but still need to be connected for emergencies. Because for example, right, like at night, I just really want to shut down my phone because Mm. it's very addictive. So from 8pm to 5pm, I don't have my phone on.
1: You really don't. I
0: try not to, right? I try and turn it off.
1: I can't do it.
0: I know, we can't, right? Yeah. But I say if people need to call me for emergency, at least as a landline they can reach out to me because it it's ring, really urgent.
1: When it rings in the house, are you in a bit of a shock? Apu, what's that? What's that? Yes, because yes. the first the few times it rang in my house, I was like, I didn't send an alarm. Well, what, what is that noise?
0: I don't have that problem because my mom, who's like seventy-five, doesn't still connects and talks through the phone. So I still hear the ringtone, but it's of course much much less. Everything now is through WhatsApp calls, which, which is much cheaper naturally. But there are these occasional aunties that still can't wean themselves off the landline, so I do get the occasional ringtone.
1: Okay, so they're like, "Hello, Philip, is your mother at home?" Kind of conversation. Can I speak Absolutely. to her? And then you're like, yeah. "Hold on, auntie." And then <laughs> that's that. I think for a lot of people, these these conversations probably like captured a lot of their childhood. Like reflects a lot of what go- went on when they were growing up. Yeah. But I think for me, the landline is so important. Not so much of the landline itself, but the fact that it was used and should still be used as a means to reach out to people. Mm. to make that connection to have that voice call rather than you know just the the whatsapp and the sms which is okay but it's never the same as having that that voice
0: there's also that feeling that when you have a landline it anchors you to a location it says this is me this is my location my home my home right with a mobile the, the mobility is an asset and a liability in my view you know it of course it's very convenient to bring it around but it you know you can chuck it, right? You can replace it. And it doesn't have that sense of ownership mm-hmm. that you perhaps have with the landline that this is your home. And this is comes back to the question again about how we also perceive asset, how we perceive wealth, that asset ownership is actually quite important. And as a result of that, then perhaps a landline is a way to reinforce that.
1: You know, the other thing that uh, when I read this article uh, brought back memories for me is when I was very young and Mm. I was sent to to school, primary one, I remember, my mother made me memorize the home phone number.
0: Yep, yep.
1: And she said, you know, if there's anything, you just call this number. If there's anything you need, like an emergency, whatever. And I wonder how many of us grew up memorizing our whole number when we went off into the, went off to school, you know, for the first time or tried to be like a mini adult.
0: I think that's an excellent point. Uh, even now, I try and remember my sister, my brother, my sister-in-law, yeah. my brother-in-law's phone numbers, even though it's easy to remember, right? But you can't, you won't remember these numbers if you have the mobile phone because it's easier right? i just have yeah, the yeah, name yeah, yeah. so te- technically also i just remind myself every once every twice a year at least like what are my sis- what's my sister's mobile number in case something happens to me
1: yeah you know what has uh, unfortunately uh, been okay has been put completely to to death or may at least doesn't exist anymore remember that philip the phone book the yellow pages and the
0: phone book I know, it so, brings so much memories because I used to use it to like to call restaurants to actually make you know reservations. What's so strange
1: is that in the phone book, right, you had everyone's name and telephone number. Now, yes. you wouldn't dare put it out there because it could be used PDPA. to PDPA. Yeah, PDPA and people are so worried about scamming, right?
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the best benefits of landlines. You don't, you didn't have those scams, right?
1: No, much less. Ironically. You still have much less. Uh, but let us know what you think. Does uh, Landline bring back a lot of memories for you? Do you still have one in your home? Or do you think it's really unnecessary and should ne- should be put aside like VCRs, cassettes, typewriters and the iPod? Let us know what you think. Uh, you can tweet in at BFM Radio, WhatsApp in 018-789-8899. We'll be back after these messages. BFM 89.9. And that was So We Won't Forget by Krangbin. It's 6.20 Monday, the 1st of August. And of course, you're listening to The Morning Run. Now, up next, we're going to be talking about The Great Resonation. I don't know whether it's still happening anymore, though.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes,
1: yes. It's an article from
0: Bloomberg
1: and it's entitled, The Great Resonation Worked most job swappers got a raise apparently i think this is a very american centric article though it
0: is it is a very american centric article uh, just to give you a sense about how great was this great resignation it truly was great yeah according to bloomberg and i read about 4 million workers quit each month from january to march this year there was an annual turnover of nearly of nearly 50 million workers that's about 30% of the workforce actually changed jobs so there's quite a big churn taking place in the labor force but i think the question here is did those who actually change jobs benefit from that change? And the answer seems to be yes, because sixty percent of those who quit between those that period actually saw wage gains, whereas those who did not saw less than half. Actually, less than half of workers, actually remain loyal. Could say the same.
1: Well, normally you wouldn't leave a job unless uh, you get a pay raise, right? Assuming okay, there's a few things, right? There's always when you leave a job, pull and push factors. Yeah. So for some people, literally, they're just pushed. They just they just hate their job. They don't really care. They just want to get out of there. And when they leave, maybe they don't leave uh, for better pay. It's a lateral move. Some people even downgrade, right? Downgrade mm. their wages because they want to try something new. Uh, and then there are others where the pull factor is so great because the other company is offering so much more money. So I think, I, I don't know whether in the US, because you know, the job market was so tight, that there was just so many pull factors and people were getting offers that were... Were just so fantastic, you couldn't say no.
0: That's true. I think, and also I think that's why there's so many fact moving factors. Because if you look at the tenure to when this survey was done, this was before this whole conversation of inflation took mm. place. Yeah, we were talking about it being transitory, not real, and blah blah blah. But now, of course, it's very real and different. You just
1: hurt Jerome Powell's uh, uh, feelings by saying <laughs> blah blah blah, <laughs> blah but never mind.
0: <laughs> but it's very true. So I think there were, as you say, many pull factors. The fact that many people were stuck in lockdown for two years, it was time to. You you know, scratch that itch and move on and try different things. As you said, super tight labour market. Although we have to, I think, make a point here that what took place, I think, in the first half of this year will look very different in the second half of this year. I think we are contending with a very different economic situation now.
1: Yeah, the guidance is already there. And uh, you just have to look at the recently concluded uh, results. results Yeah, from some of the Big Tech names. So Big Tech was a big, big, big employer. All right. And they were like hiring like there was no tomorrow because everybody thought, you know, this work from home benefit will just continue forever, right? Um, yeah. People will just buy more equipment, they'll buy more software, everybody's going online. But that's not really the case. A lot of us have gone back to the office and maybe that buying has kind of curbed. So Microsoft, Apple, Google are those that already have come out to say that they're slowing if not stopping hiring completely. So, hey, good times have come to an almost end.
0: And the very interesting thing is, did you hear what Mark Zuckerberg say in his meta internal town hall? He said, look, I'm going to raise your KPIs. I'm going to set a higher bar to your performance standard. Oh, so that you've got to work
1: harder for your you money. you got to work harder
0: for your money. And then hopefully some of you will realise that actually you're, you don't really fit here in this organisation.
1: Ouch! He so, literally
0: said that. So it's he's <laughs>
1: basically forcing a form of attrition, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. And I think that's what I think many people are trying to do because they really need to downsize The workforce. So, hey, how do I keep my high performance? Let me set higher bars.
1: this is actually against a backdrop where you know the economy is slowing down, right? So yeah. you know your top line probably will get soft. So what's the one thing you can do is control costs. Mm. And if you're these companies, manpower cost is probably a large percentage. So you're you're right. You know, let's just keep that cost under control and let's just stick to the high performance. And we even see that in the financial sector because Goldman Sachs is going to reintroduce bonuses, right? That's and right. And also, uh, what is it? Uh, like a performance performance
0: system, which yeah. for it, it me, you know, it was a
1: shock. Right? It was
0: a shock because I always thought they did it. But I guess in Goldman, when they say they do a performance measurement, they really take it very seriously. Whereas I think sometimes in Malaysia, when we say we do performance management, it can sometimes feel a bit less impactful.
1: No, when you're in Goldman, your bonuses are like, you know, you can buy it's like totally a house. tied to it. Yeah, you could buy a house. Uh, but let us know what you think. Uh, up next to take us to the 6.30am News Bulletin is Ordinary World by one of my favourite bands, Duran Duran. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Monday, the 1st of August, and that was Scar Tissue by Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> I like that band,
0: don't you? Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: Okay, come on. <laughs> they are like a... Like a legend
0: yeah I, I i think scar tissue is such an appropriate title for this coming international news story that we have
1: wait before we get there before <laughs> we get there can we acknowledge some of the whatsapps that came in uh steven basically said good morning guys i still have a landline at home and calls still come in quite nostalgic which it was is. Uh, something echoed by by roe he says he loves the nostalgia. Uh, but the bad thing is it's hard to filter calls and cannot use during thunderstorms. Like ah, Astro Like Astro. <laughs> no, well, if you have the new type of Astro, no, that's, that's true, not the that's case. Uh, but yeah, but anyway, you were talking about what has caused scar tissue for you?
0: Well, I think the relationship between US and China and I think the most important trip that I think is causing the most uh, dispute and pain is Nancy is actually planning to come to town. She will be making a visit all across Asia, but it doesn't seem to include Taiwan in the stopover.
1: Yeah, there's no, according to Bloomberg also, will she or won't she? Nancy Pelosi departed for Asia with no official sign that Taiwan is on her itinerary. Uh, She is, however, coming to Japan, South Korea, Singapore and Malaysia, her focus of the visit is on security, economic partnership and democratic governance. Nancy, we would love to have you on our show. Please come for the breakfast grill anytime. Just let us know.
0: So I think they're doing. They're having a stopover now in Hawaii, jealous much. But I guess the question... <laughs> at Waikiki. <laughs> at Waikiki Beach. I You know, for me, the, the countries that she selected is very interesting, right? Why Malaysia is also part of that. Collection and Singapore. Of con- and Singapore. Singapore, I'm not surprised because Singapore has unabashedly been quite allied to the United States. Yeah. So, but Malaysia being one of the four countries that she's visiting is also quite telling, perhaps, how p- interesting Malaysia's diplomacy or position is geopolitically or not.
1: Mm, in the South China Sea, right? Lots yeah. of discussion there. Uh, other news. Okay. Normally, I'm not a big sports fan, as you all know. Uh, but I would like to congratulate the English women's team because they won the Women's Euro 2020 Cup after extra time. Um, they beat Germany 2-1 and that has ended the drought of England winning any major titles since uh, World Cup in 1960s.
0: Wow. Well, congratulations to the England England's women team. Uh, staying on the theme of sports in the UK, the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games, I think when it came off with a bang, right, I think over the weekend, a lot of activities. Australia is leading the leaderboard with 52 medals and our own country, Malaysia, has got two gold medals.
1: Yeah, good news for them. Now, um, staying in Asia, however, moving to this part of the world, Myanmar's military government announced on Sunday an extension of a state of emergency for another six months until February 1st, 2023 saying that the country needs more time to return to stability and prepare for elections. I really want to know when these elections are going to happen and really How free and fair are these elections going to be? Because recently, the execution of uh, some of the democratic um, leaders, I think, captured a lot of headlines. And what's the situation there?
0: And I guess the question here is, what's ASEAN doing? What's very interesting, I think, end of last week was that our own foreign minister, Saifuddin Abdullah, was pretty, uh, pretty much condemned, I think, the actions taken by the military junta, which is a relatively good progress forward. I guess going forward is will this pressure be enough? Mm. And it doesn't seem to be the case.
1: Yeah, um, they've come out with a statement, uh, ASEAN quite a a strongly worded statement. You know, uh, whether there's a lot of conversation behind the scenes that we don't know about. You know, because ASEAN as as a bloc always takes a very tactful diplomatic approach, right? They don't like to be seen being confrontational. But at the same time, I think the execution of these four uh, activists has raised a lot of eyebrows as to what's the intention of this military junta, what's their game plan? Is there an exit plan at all?
0: Yeah, and I wonder whether Nancy Pelosi's visit to the to Malaysia and to ASEAN will bring uh, discussions, will have those kind of discussions take place.
1: Hopefully. Uh, But keep it here. Uh, We're going to come back after some messages. BFM 89.9. 6.50, you're listening to The Morning Run. It's Monday the 1st of August and that was grooving by UB14. We certainly hope we've put you in that kind of good mood. On a Monday morning. On a Monday morning. Now, I'm not so sure you've been in a good mood when you look at our headlines, local headlines. (laughs) Um, Well, what do you want to start off with? Well, way? I want
0: to start about this uh, tobacco ban, right? This uh, act now called GEG Generational Endgame, and no, they're not a Korean girl band,
1: which is what you automatically <laughs> assumed this morning. That's right? what I thought it was. Very I thought it was girls' generation. Philip, very intellectual. <laughs> Never mind. Please continue. But I think the
0: debate here from an economic side is, you know, what is the impact of GEG to the economy? And you know, over the weekend there were two stories that I think struck my attention. One was from the Confederation of Malaysian Tobacco Manufacturers saying that it could impact the government's revenue by about 5 billion ringgit in the industry whereas on the flip side what you heard from health minister kari jamaludina the impact to the economy is less that they have actually calculated that the economic to gdp is about 0.8 percent of gdp so really two numbers that struck my my from me one is from the tobacco manufacturer saying look revenue loss about 5 billion ringgit our health minister saying look the economic impact is minimal only 0.8 one8 eight percent, sorry, of GDP.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I've got other inform- other data. Uh, this is from the Edge Weekly, and it's uh, entitled "Enforcement of Tobacco Generation and Game Key to Its Success." Now they actually say M O F data shows that total excise duties collected from imported cigarettes and tobacco totaled two point seven billion in twenty eighteen. But former Deputy Health Minister Dr. Lee Bun Chai said that the government and the private sector each spend between 7 to 8 billion a year to treat smoking related illnesses so everyone apparently knows that the government is in fiscal worse off due to the tobacco use i think that's the messaging coming out of the government but i think lots of questions about the enforcement of the bill itself yes. privacy uh, is the fine too high will you know do we know that young young people who do smoke what is the protection against them will they be locked up will they be searched questions
0: like this arise mm, and i think the debate i think uh, many of the tobacco manufacturers are making is that this could result result in illicit trade of tobacco. And I think that's I think one of the biggest concerns that people have, that when you do these kind of very strict lockdowns, you do generate this illicit flow and illegal trade mm. taking place.
1: Yeah, I see a lot of divergent views on this and even doctors among themselves uh conflicted. Well, not conflicted. Mm. They have different views, right? That uh, this is good, not good enforcement. What's the issue about the bill? And I myself am confused about it. You know, as usual, we would love to have Kari Jamaluddin <laughs> on the show anytime to clarify the the position of the Ministry of Health on on this? Because I think it is heading towards debate uh, um, this week, actually, in Parliament.
0: No more smoke screens.
1: No more. Come and tell us the true picture. Clear the air for us, Kari.
0: Well, I think one air that we need a lot more clearing is the, is the, is the date of when GE15 is taking place. If you saw over the weekend, lots of symposiums, lots of meetings taking place, especially in our wonderful state of Selangor, well, my wonderful state, we are in KL here, um, the debate about who was going to lead the BN machinery and it seems that it is not Tunku Zafrul. He will remain BN treasurer whereas no Omar will be running the election campaign for BN for GE15.
1: No, but what's interesting is that by by Chongko Zafro being appointed treasurer for Selangor AMNO, which is reported also in the Malaysian Insight. This paves the way for him to run in the next general election. Looks like uh, all that speculation that he might be gunning for Kuala Selangor might, might, might
0: probably might be pr- true. Probably will materialize. I think this is where. You know, this is the debate, right? How long can you remain apolitical if you are in cabinet, if you are in government? That is always the central question.
1: I think six years, that's the maximum term.
0: It's the maximum.
1: So let's see, you know, whether he really will run uh, at the next uh, GE. But what I find really funny is the Malaysian Insight um, page. Because at the top we have MOU still intact. Why the calls for GE15, asked Anwar. And on the left-hand side of the corner, is election's not far away, says PM. <laughs> so
0: which one do we believe? So this is where I'm also confused about the MOU. Because you hear two different sides of the story, isn't it? One saying, look, the MOU expires actually yesterday. Mm. So does that mean that election will have to happen sooner rather than later? Whereas the other side is saying, look, the MOU stays all the way up to when GE15 is called.
1: Well, we will find out. Very soon, at 7.15, when we speak to Dr. O E Sun, Senior Fellow at the Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Maybe he has better clarity than us. But very quickly, The Edge also asked a question, which I would like to know. Who is UK's SB's Hong Kong partner that paid millions to Malaysian politicians? Read that article on The Edge. It's worth reading. We don't actually have clear answers But I like the fact that it's been raised. Up next is the 7am News Bulletin. And to take us there is Cradle of Love by Billy Idol. Keep it here, BFM 89.9.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.